Anyway, we're all fired up. Let's go. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. So welcome to Fire Up, and it's breaking news here on today's edition of Fire Up. Now, Dennis Carnahan, yet again, unable to be with us. He's on stress leave, and we think we know why, because... Of revelations this week we heard from referee Ben Cummins in the 2019 Grand Final. I realised I'd stuffed up big time. And I tried to correct the call, and which would have been the right call, but you know, uh, Jack Whiten didn't see that and, and he got tackled and the Roosters get the ball and, and go down the length of the field in the next set and, and score. And then I re- you know, realised then that this is big. It ain't all in a Grand Final. Is that the Grand Final? And Dennis Carnahan had this to say. And as a result, Dennis is on stress leave, but I'm very, very thankful and grateful that I'm joined today in the Batuta Advocate Studios for all of the Fire Up episode with Pantsman himself, Ref and Pat. Pat, how are you? I'm good, Chris. I think uh, FBI must have some voodoo dolls or something. We have been up against the last two months. We've had, you've been away, Chris has been away. Dennis, uh, you Dennis mean. Dennis has been away. <laughs> I was talking to Dennis. Dennis is in the room. Didn't you hear him swear before? <laughs> That's right. Um, we've all been sick. We had the... Coach Whisperer, that, that put us back a week. It's been difficult. It's been challenging. And it's I think it's everybody's faced the similar uh, issues post-pandemic. But we're going to make a good run for the semifinals, don't you think? We're still mathematical chances. We're still a mathematical <laughs> possibility. But look, if we're talking about breaking news, we were in the news this weekend. Uh, if you want to take us back to the Manly v. Titans Match, you're sort of basically one of the gurus, uh, along with Terry Ball, as to what goes out on the fire up social media. And what did you tweet low those many days ago when Manly were about to take on the Gold Coast Titans? Off the top of my head, I think it's bad news for the Manly Seven. If they lose today, they're playing for pride for the rest of the season. And against type, it went off, didn't it? It, it went, went viral. Yeah, there's, there was uh, arguments in the comments as well. We're not an argumentative. <laughs> yes, in fact, some people were saying it was cruel. It was cruel. Yeah, you got to respect something or rather. I don't, I'm not too sure. I'm sorry for whoever. Um, whatever, you, whatever you want me to apologize for, this just, I'll just give a generic apology. Just give the and blanket that, yeah, apology. Yeah. Well, anyway, kudos to you to get our name. But we didn't expect to see where it ended up last Saturday. And, of course, it was immediately pointed out to me, has Fire Up jumped the shark? And when I found out the cause of the inquiry, I guess I've contended that Fire Up has triple jumped the shark because we ended up in the Fitz files, didn't we? I, you sent it and I thought that we'll get sent, you know, someone saying Fire Up. You know, we've got, we've got a huge cachet of people saying Fire Up. So Peter Fitzsimons, Saturday column in the Sydney Morning Herald, and it has a down the right-hand side a column about what they said. And the lead quote was at Fire Up NRL tweets, Bad news for Manly 7. If they lose today, they're playing for pride for the rest of the year. And Peter added, Manly lost. Now, look, there's been no bigger fan of Peter Fitzsimons than me (laughs) if you listen to this show because he continues to cover all the big issues in sport. The fact that it's stadiums, Greg Norman, and concussions every week is because they are the big issues. But I do feel that other forces within this show have been critical of Peter and his work. Well, they're gone. That was... (laughs) Well, they're we not here to, today. We don't want to name names, yeah. but... But but to be honest, Pat, I mean, uh, you're very much encouraged to be that social voice of Fire Up, but we had no idea that it would end up this way, where we're actually 
providing content for Peter Fitzsimons. And I too believe, far. yeah, it is too far. At what cost? Yeah, you've been disciplined. You've been, yeah. There's an official warning's been issued, yeah. and I understand that you want to read uh, from a statement that you've prepared over to you, Pat. So, like I said, I'll wear the criticism all week. I've got to be accountable for my actions because the actions aren't acceptable. And uh, I've let everyone down. I've let myself down. I'm embarrassed. Um, yeah, I've let a lot of people down. Yeah, well said. Well said. <laughs> Suitably admonished. And again, uh, I'd like to add to the blanket apology. We had no idea that we'd end up in the Fitz files. And now, I've been working with Dennis a bit too long. I think I'm starting to sound a bit like Dennis there. <laughs> well, that's right. It all just starts to merge into one, doesn't it? Now, look, uh, over the uh, the weekend in that very, very same edition of The Herald, there was an article written by Adam Pengilly that was saying that, look, finally we've got over the, the blowouts. It looks like that uh, the NRL has got on top of the blowouts. Um, do you know what the for and against was in the three games played on the Saturday that that article was published, Pat? I'll put the over-under at 60 sounds like a lot of points. Yeah, so it was actually 154 points to 18 as Cronulla had a massive victory. Parramatta had a massive victory. No, the West Tigers had a massive, a massive victory. victory. And, you know, I read that article. It sort of lightened my day going, great, the, the Volandis ball era is over. I was slightly tempered by seeing the fact that we were part of the Fitzsimons column. But I'm telling you, as I turned on my TV to watch what unfolded that following weekend and I saw Volandi's ball in all its glory, this is how I felt. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They've pulled us back in, baby. And Tigers are Godfather 3, are they? <laughs> well... <laughs> Look, look at it this way. The Tigers are uh, right now are being as well-received as the reviews of Godfather yeah. 3. And I thought that the way that people went Sofia Coppola was over the top. Yeah. And, you know, I've got to understand, and this is something I've learned from Andrew Abdo, these actors are human beings, Pat. And you've got to take that into consideration when you're handing out the criticism. Can we dwell a bit? Because I don't like to focus on the Tigers because I, I like to think that this I is... I think the rest of rugby league media does that for you. <laughs> That's right. And it's a show that likes to give equal coverage to the Warriors, the Titans and the Storms, as indeed the Tigers, Rabbits and Raiders, but maybe we don't. But I think I do need to dwell. What was your take on the 72-6 to 6 performance out at the Sydney Cricket Ground? I didn't think the Roosters were that good. Really? Well, because, they, you know, like when Melbourne scored 70 on Warriors, you can see that they're out to score 70. They're like spreading off the kickoff. They're putting plays on. Roosters just looked like they were just running through. Like, none of them really looked that spectacular, did they? Well, it's a simple game played by idiots, as Jamal Indras once said. And basically, <laughs> you take it up the middle. And if there is no middle defending, that's yeah. the result that you get. Um, Tim Sheen's, of course, the director of football and uh, our interim coach and waiting. He's made it really clear that he's just in the interim position for two years before Benji actually formally takes the reins, which is another way of buying time, in my view. He said it's not a hiccup. He said it's a punch in the face. <laughs> so, so at least Tim's talking uh, truth. And I can add exciting news for all Tigers fans that Andrew Fafita has announced that he's playing his last season for the Cronulla Sharks. Tigers great. Tigers great. He described his try in the 2016 grand final as the greatest try in Sharks history. Would you disagree? Can't think of another one off the exactly, and he said he's open to come back and coming back to the Tigers. So, did they wipe the other try off the record? Which, oh, which one was that? Uh, Troublemaker scored it. All oh, right, the troublemaker of the side, the knucklehead. Yeah, I'm sure they did. 
Um, but uh, a Fafita Papalihi Coruscant led recovery is what the Tigers have in store. But right now it's very painful. And yeah, I took my medicine on Sunday morning, tuned into the Sunday footy show, and I heard Billy Slater talking up Robbo Deluxe. And he goes, you know what? Robbo, he's not mentioning the opposition anymore. And what is that a very strong signal of? We know. We know. It's the coach whisperer. Bradley Charles Stubbs uh, resumed working with the Sydney Roosters at the Central Coast Fixture versus St. George Illawarra six games ago, coming off a four-game losing streak. Roosters are 6-0 since Bradley's been involved. I think if you do the maths, they pretty much got to win the next six in order to win the premiership. So it's a big ask. But we were very lucky to get a world exclusive, weren't we, Pat? Yeah, he did uh, the hour long with us. Uh, a lot of a lot of good feedback about that. He's a very, very amazing character. He certainly is. And, you know, I think we just heard very much where Bradley uh, believes he adds value. Um, we certainly weren't prosecuting any agenda. We were just very, very keen to hear um, what Didn't we... Didn't get a chance to. Didn't get a chance to. That's <laughs> it. The floor was his. And um, we'll just give you a little bit of an audio grab about him talking with Robbo, but it's on our feed and we'd love you to share it, copy people into it because uh, he's got two premiership rings from the Roosters. He's owed a premiership ring from your South Sydney Rabbitohs and they're 6-0. and And here's what Bradley had to say about working with Trent Robinson. Just on 2018, when you went to that training session, you could walk into 16 training sessions at that particular point of time. How do you connect and end up with Trent Robinson at that point in time? Because before I go there, I already know I'm, I'm going to win a grand final. In 2014, I met um, Michael Maguire. I cold called him and in that meeting, sit in front of a desk, I stood up on a desk in front of him and said, 2014, grand final winning team, South Sydney, Done, 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 done. First time I met him, like, that's what you do when you meet people, don't you? Of course you do. All right. The Coach Whisperer, and again, we're really, really grateful to Bradley Charles Stubbs for taking the time to do that interview with Fire Up. Now, Joey Johns was also reflecting on the evening out there at the cricket ground as the Roosters demolished the Tigers, and uh, it was old boys uh, for the Roosters, and he had an interesting observation. Saluting the uh, the cricket ground with a bit of a cricket score. Did I call the old lady? <laughs> or did I just make that up? I think you made that up. No, that's right. Yeah, the old lady looked yeah. good. But Danica doesn't listen to Fire Up. Well, no, but obviously Joey does. He just hasn't quite processed it. Of course, it's the old girl. Yeah. It's, you know, and God knows whether that terminology is going to get. Or maybe uh, he's a Prince fan or he's a, a, a 50s fan. The old lady. Just, just the, the old lady to me stands with Mrs. You know, yeah. like all the yeah. players, the misses. And yeah. I just feel this is language that may not last too long. But the Roosters are gone from the old girl, so we'll be able to sort of put that to bed. Uh, it's a shocking place to watch rugby league from. Oh, In the 80s, it was the best place to watch rugby league from. So that's how we've evolved, Pat. And 72 to 6, sure, that's a walloping. But it's got nothing on what Lee, with uh, coached by Adrian Lamb, Lockie Lamb playing, and indeed Blake Ferguson did to York City in the second-tier Super League when they won 100 points to four. Now, that's a Kristen Inu with 36 points. That's right. Smiling as he kicked the goals. And I'm telling you, if Bradley was coaching Lee, it would be the same. He'd be disappointed with the Centurions in the same way he was disappointed with the Roosters because he got on the on the, on the the app, the WhatsApp with me and said, I'm very disappointed about the six points conceded against the Tigers. That's perfectionism. And what's going wrong with the Lee Centurions conceding a try to the York City? 
What's Same. the the Blake Ferguson, Kristen Inu? Um, Axes. Yeah. <laughs> who could compete? Now, a lot of people have been talking about the Tigers and saying, oh, they're trying to take refuge in the establishment of the Centre of Excellence. Well, I'll tell you this for free. It's not open yet. They're still in the demountables, and that's part of the issue. But, you know, we're... All Tigers fans are excited about moving in there. And I think Tim Sheen's, I think you said, Pat, there was an interesting observation he made about the Centre of Excellence, wasn't it? So this is courtesy of Wade Patrick uh, on our Blowing Up Deluxe. He said, uh, the quote is, we have plenty of changes to the coaching and high performance staff. We've moved into our Centre of Excellence, which will improve our ability to improve. It will help us prepare for next year. I think it's an interesting point. Because if you actually think about it, if you were able to look at rugby league and the performance of the players within it, everyone would argue that they're better tuned, better trained, higher performing athletes now than they were, say, 10, 20, 30 years ago, right? Yeah. So it's not the fact that the Tigers haven't been improving. They just haven't been improving Proving. enough. Yeah, it's the 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 hyperbolic... So it's it's not the absolute yeah. rate of improvement; yeah. it's the comparative rate of improvement. Yeah. But look, the center of excellence it offers a lot, doesn't it? I mean, we are talking training facilities par excellence, sleep rooms, uh, a bespoke barber, which is very very important because of the aerodynamic qualities of hair in rugby league, and they've even got a pool. And I take credit for this. I did mention to CEO Justin Pascoe that when they'd opened the Cowboys Centre of Excellence, they had the Cowboys logo on the bottom of the indoor swimming pool facilities. The Tigers logos are there. So you've got a swimming pool with the Tigers logo. So you've got all these... Broadcasting. Yeah. They've got radio studios, don't they? Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah, they, I'm, cer- I'm got, certainly pitching. I think I heard today that they've got radio studios so that you get a more transparent voice coming out of the Tigers. <laughs> Any voice. And so with all these facilities, state-of-the-art training facilities, state-of-the-art recreation facilities, community aspect, cafes, barbers, I think we just need to get the stamp of approval from the expert. That place absolutely stinks. I've got a tiger by the tail that's plain to see. I won't be much when you get through with me. Well, I'm a losing weight and a turning mighty pale. Looks like I've got a tiger by the tail. Well, I thought the day I met you, you were meek as a lamb. Just the kind to fit my dreams and plans. Now the pace we're living takes the wind from my sails. And it looks like I've got a tiger by the tail. I've got a tiger by the tail, it's plain to see. I won't be much when you get through with me. Well, I'm a losing weight and a turning mighty pale. Looks like I've got a tiger by the tail. The West Tigers are always in a game. So we wanted to give it to a city that needs a major football event. And that's why we've gone with Melbourne. Just kidding. Welcome back to Fire Up. Dennis Carnahan, 
just enraged by what he's learned about the 2019 grand final, if not justified. He's on stress leave, but I'm here. He with... called in sick at halftime on Sunday. That's right. I'm here with Redfern Pat, and we're catapulting like everybody else towards the playoffs, as they're now referred to in the modern vernacular. I love Blocker still calls them the semis. Hopefully, well, they're all prelims, aren't they? They're all prelims, <laughs> but they do culminate in the grand final, which has been located where this season, Pat? Melbourne. No. Gee, you're funny. (laughs) No, it is out at Acor Stadium after protracted negotiations between the NRL and the New South Wales state government. But I think the legacy is it's a one-year deal. I think it went from being a 43-year deal to a one-year deal. And we know all the complicated reasons around stadium funding behind it. And we don't want to end up in Fitzsimons' column again. But some of the negotiation stuff along the way has been pretty entertaining, hasn't it? Well, I've just seen in the news that it says PVL's done a good job. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a fancy, I'm not from the fancy end of town like you are. So, uh, it will, is it a good job? Well, I think he thinks it's a good job. Uh, a lot of people seem to think it's a good job. Yeah, I think uh, fans of rugby league and other markets such as Queensland and Melbourne, as you mentioned, uh, looking forward to their bite at the grand final cherry because it's, we've moved to a Super Bowl model, Pat. And this means that the grand final could be in New Orleans. It could be in Pyongyang in the future. And I wouldn't mind purchasing an NRL touring package that takes me to North Korea and includes a grand final. I reckon that'd be a good trip. Is this finally getting into China (laughs) 30 years later? Paul Broughton's dream. Yeah. You know, through the back door. I mean, a Shanghai grand final between... The roosters and rabbits, for argument's sake, everyone would be mad for that. And did the Super Bowl model start with two working stadiums side by side in Penrith? <laughs> I tell you, don't you feel for the Penrith Paceway people? I mean, the uncertainty that they're going through right now—is it yeah. going to be torn down? Will um, Fitzsimons persuade Dom Perrottet, Perrottet to actually not allow this to go through? And in fact, a lot of the dealings have been between Volandis and the New South Wales Premier. And Volandis about the Premier said, whilst um, stressing that he's a very good human being, and let's just remember here that politicians are human beings. Well, the investigation's ongoing, isn't it? We can't, we can't comment. Volandis have suggested that Perrottet could not be trusted as a man of his word. He goes, don't have a bet with him because if you win, he won't pay you. So he sort of has a bet each way, doesn't he? He likes to sort of heap praise and um, put a knife in the back simultaneously. He uh, told Paratet to sharpen his pencil. Well, that was really interesting because that is friend of the show, New South Wales' newly established Minister Minister for Sport. Let me try that again. Minister for Sport, Alastair Henskins, who picked up that part of Stuart Ayres' portfolio. And so in the protracted negotiations, that means that I'm not even sure the grand final tickets are on sale yet because they weren't as of last week. Now that they've announced the venue, I don't even think they're on sale yet. Well, I would have looked into it if South had won on Thursday, but... No real interest for Tigers fans, look, put it that way. But Volandis had this to say about Henskins. He goes, I did say to Henskins that I'm sending him a sharpener and a pencil. I did say that to him. I thought I'd wasted my money on the sharpener. Now, I there is no bigger fan of Peter Volandis than me, right? But my understanding is the negotiation with the various state governments is to get more money into yeah. the offer, right? And when you're sharpening the pencil, that's like, I've got a proposal that I want to produce a state-of-the-art podcast for the West Tigers for a fee of $50,000. And Justin Pascoe says, Chris, Pat, Dennis, you need to sharpen your pencil. And we go, we'll do it for free. (laughs) So again, I think Volandis has mangled the allegory or the language or the metaphor or whatever it is. So say hypothetically, 
I was promised, say, stadiums in every suburb. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then if I said, sharpen your pencil on that offer, what would be the offer I was expecting back? Yeah. yeah less. Less. How much less? A little bit or? Significantly less. <laughs> anyway, I think the, at the end of the day, Henskins came up with enough coin and the trade-off was we'll take your offer, which is uh, very, very attractive, but we will not give you exclusivity beyond this particular year. So... Uh, again, Volandi's had a win each way, but this is the one that really gets me. And you know, I'm a bit of a pop culture fan, Pat. You might have worked that out. You're right, right up on it. Right. And in talking again about his relationship with the New South Wales Premier, Volandi said, I have a good and pleasant relationship. He knows and I knows at times we aren't going to agree. It's a bit like the Roadrunner and the Coyote. At the end of it all, we have a beer together and we are mates. This really grinds my gears, Pat. I want you to play some audio to clarify where Peter Volandis is drawing his analogies from. Morning, Ralph. Morning, Sam. Good night, Ralph. See you tomorrow, Sam. Well, uh, better luck next time, Ralph. Oh, sure. You can't win them all, you know. Thanks. Nice day, huh, Sam? Yep. Good to be alive, Ralph. So who's commiserating who? Right. So I look for any excuse to get Looney Tunes into the agenda of this show. So these were a series of Warner Brothers cartoons where Sam is the sheepdog and Ralph is a, a wolf and he... Um, his image absolutely resembles Wiley Coyote, right? And the joke was that they would arrive each morning and Bundy on at a Bundy clock attached to a tree and go, morning, Ralph, morning, Sam. And then Sam would protect the sheep and Ralph would try and get the sheep. And then you heard there a little bit of like, you know, um, Sam punching Ralph. And he'd be always punching Ralph and then the whistle would go for the end of the day and they'd stop and they'd Bundy off and say, nice work, good to see yeah. you, have a good evening, all that sort of thing. That's what you've taken it from, Volandis. The Coyote and the Roadrunner never had a beer together and they never will have a beer together. And that's what I want to say on that subject. So he's, he's, he's no good with his pop culture, Valandis. It's just really, really loose. And I've always maintained he's been a pretty loose character. And let me go again to the Pengilly factor. 154 points to 18. Get your hands off our game. Get your hands off our grand final. Um, but as I said, there's no greater fan of the Overlord than myself. Well, the grand final for my team, maybe the Roosters, might be round... 25. Final regular season game. Yeah. South Sydney Rabbitohs take on the Sydney Roosters at the new opened Allianz Stadium. Yeah. At this stage, neither side guaranteed finals. That's right. It's going down the wire. Canberra are paying $1.37 to win their both both games. So it's likely they'll finish on 30. Yes. And that's partly why Dennis is on stress leave. Yes. Because he's still more than a mathematical possibility of getting in there. And then it actually comes... uh, it uh, last. It all comes down to Tigers versus Raiders at Leichhardt Oval. I'll be there. Might be the end of Fire Up. <laughs> it could be the end of it Fire could, Up. It could be in one fell swoop. You could cost Dennis and me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't mind doing a show with Hadja Patelis and Pasco in the new studios at the Centre of Excellence, no matter how much it yeah, stinks. Well, they were both on the radio. Yeah, well, they're sharpening their pencils on SEN at the moment, aren't they? Different shows, <laughs> one after another. They're just dominating both the airwaves. Both exclusives. 
Look, and and subject to change, no other example other than we had uh, Venues New South Wales representative Stephen Gorry on the show earlier this season. Mm -hmm. And he was very kind enough to take me and former host of Fire Up on FBI Radio moving through into uh, this particular podcast, Stephen Ferris, for a tour of the facilities because our mate Stephen Ferris is DJing the opening ceremony. They're throwing the doors open to the public as long as you've got yourself a free ticket. And you'll be entertained by the likes of Guy Sebastian. Wow. Using the word entertain there. Um, Baker Boy. And I'm all over Baker Boy. I love yep. Baker Boy. And Stephen Ferris is doing the music. The DJing or is he getting the band back together? <laughs> it's Yeah, Flotsam Jetsam, yeah. That's, so, oh, fuck, I've, bro- I've, I've, I've broken the surprise. <laughs> so, no, he, Stephen, because he's a true professional, he needs to be comfortable in his surroundings. So, he needed to get in early. And Gary, because of his role in Venus New South Wales, was able to give us the high vis and do the tour. Stephen didn't look convincing in his high vis, I've got to say. <laughs> That's right. So we've seen it. It's gleaming. It's got a lot of space. And the best thing is you walk up off Driver Avenue up what are called the Sheridan Stairs. Yep. And you walk in through the turnstiles, state of the art, zapping yep. your tickets, whatever. And there's just a massive bar right in front of you. That's yep. the first thing you see. So look, I think they've done a great job with the $825 million that they spent. Now, where is this bar exactly? Could you <laughs> send me? It won't be complicated. It's, you go through the turnstiles <laughs> and there's a bar in front of you. And beyond that are seats and a field. Yeah, well, I think I'm going to start drinking tomorrow, getting ready for that game in two weeks. Yeah. Now, there's been a lot of controversy, uh, Pat. First of all, Peter Volandis, we've talked about him already. He's labelled it unnecessary stadium, which seems a little bit harsh. It's kind of like, well, I've got that piece of cake. I've now eaten it and then suddenly it's unnecessary. But South Sydney feel very differently. Now, they signed a deal, didn't they? And they agreed to play where? So they're playing it at ANZ, ACOR, Telstra. Mm-hmm. Stadium Australia. Which had nothing to do with... The Olympic the, Stadium. <laughs> the, uh, the agricultural grounds. <laughs> which has nothing to do with Holmes Accord, Russell Crowe taking over because they announced the move at the end of 2005. Mm-hmm. Russell Crowe takes over early 2006. So get that, get that out of the way. Saved your club. Saved the club. It's been fruitful. They get paid... I'm, I'm nearly certain they get paid $100,000 per game no matter how many people turn up, which is... Tigers, they lose money on Leichhardt. I think Sharks and Manly have a pretty high break even. Well, that was certainly when the Tigers, who are currently got the arrangement at Combank, and they're all controlled by venues in New South Wales, as tentacles of this octopus, if you think about it. But yeah, when they went into ANZ, as it then was, and people said, well, what, Telstra, what? I think. Yeah, maybe maybe Telstra. Why are we going there? Because you, it doesn't matter if not one punter turns up, you yep. get a... Paid and they fee. put that to the they put that they to put the it right test. to the test. Yeah. Right? Well, they will next season if they don't improve to improve. And so South's in the bluff of all this, were given a very attractive deal, and they signed the papers, Pat, for Acor for a long time. Then they got a tour, courtesy of Stephen Gorry yes. of Elliott Stadium. They go, we want us a piece of this. And Venues New South Wales, who also has Acor, says, ah 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 ah. So right at the minute, you're locked out of. Alliance as a home venue, would you like to see some of the games played there? Uh, yeah, well, that's the area. Mm-hmm. I think that's south. Roosters get... So you'd rather dishonour the contract. Is that the sort of club you are? Well, co- Chris, contract's not worth the papers written on. <laughs> it's not worth the kilobytes of memory it takes up. <laughs> There's a more immediate problem, though. Yes. And that is this game, and if you go to the stadium, there are three logos or badges or icons if you like there's a rather amusing um rugby union 
sort of Lego life statue around the other side off Moore Park Road, which you must go and have a look at. But the three logos as you walk up Sheridan Stairs through the turnstiles into the bar. Curtis is- Scott. <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> Sydney FC, the New South Wales Waratahs. Who? I don't know. And the Sydney Roosters, right? So it's clearly Roosters territory and it is designated this season a Roosters home game. Now, your CEO, Blake Solly, has made the point that the convention is that each round, because they tend to play you know, twice a year. Now, I remember round three. Right. Acor Stadium. Mm-hmm. And it was your home game, home right? Game. If you go back to the 2021 season, yep. the first game of the season, again, it was your home game and then you're away for the second. So under the general two-year convention, you go home, away, away, home. Yep. Right? So the second game was... Roosters last year. Right. And so, which was at Suncorp, though. Correct. Yes. Right. But it's again Roosters this year, whereas Solly goes under the convention. It should be their home game and that they should be benefiting from the super level of coin that will be generated because unprecedented for Roosters, they'll actually fill the joint out. And here's Blake Solly complaining about how much money this is actually costing your club, Pat. One million dollars. And of course, he he floated this before South pocketed the money from the first home game, didn't he? <laughs> That's right. I don't know. A million bucks. I think you can live without it. Uh, one other team that I want to reflect on because I'm bitter, Pat, is the resurgent Melbourne Storms. Did you catch their performance against the Brisbane Broncos on Friday night? Ominous. It was It was ominous, wasn't it? Yeah. I do think the Broncos are done. I, did, I thought that they would be done a bit earlier. Very young side. They do tend to play on intensity. They've all played their first origins. Adam Reynolds, I hate to break it to people. He's not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, if you remember at the start of the season, they were complaining about training too hard in preseason. So there's only so much, so much intensity you can have. So they squeezed a little bit too much of the juice out of lemon early, is what you're saying. It went, went two and a half years earlier than Warren Ryan. <laughs> Look, it was ominous. I think what it's left us with the – we've got Canberra as the possibility, right? But if you look at the eight teams, and they did a lot of exposition on the rugby league shows last night about the prospects of the very semifinals, which meant I could just fast forward because I find that stuff so boring, right? You know, But the one team, like you've identified, that people are putting the, the line through seems to be Brisbane, right? And Buzz Rothfield said it's never been more open. Penrith are the clear favourites. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I think it's actually a fair argument. But from the Tigers' perspective, you know, a reborn David Nofaluma, who is um, basically getting two questions in interview. How good is it at the Storms? Why would you ever go back to the Tigers, right? And we've got Oliver Gildart starring. Five the, tries. <laughs> yeah, five tries of reserve grade. Turns out for the Roosters on the weekend. Uh, Luciana Leilua, resurgent up at North Queensland. Meanwhile, Pasco complaining about not having enough players. That's right. It's odd. Something about the salary cap. And anyway, Brisbane went old school, wore the collar jumpers. The yep. old, I don't know what you talk That's the, like the original jerseys, isn't it? 88, that sort of design they were wearing. Classic Broncos, Classic for sure. Bron- yep. I was disappointed not to see the headline the next day, Broncos collared. But anyway. Yeah. And they'll be calling an emergency meeting of the Brisbane old boys as a result because that's what they always do when they're in trouble. Did that not happen? Didn't they get a, I think they got a, a bake at training. From the old boys? From the Gordon Taylor's just throwing, <laughs> throwing his cans of 4X at them. Boo! I actually, 
I, I I always actively disliked the Walters boys when they were playing, particularly because Steve was, you know, Ben Ben Elias's great rival. One of the great things that rugby league media has done for me is I have an enormous level of affection for Kevin Walters. I just think he's just a delightful man. And I've been really happy that they've become legitimate this year, but I think it's uh, going to be a bit of pain and misery. I think they might miss out. I think it's going, to, it's going to be close. They do have Dragons in the last round. And Parramatta this week, and then who knows with Parramatta, right? But Yeah, yeah. You know, they might have turned the corner. Anyway, if I'm Ivan Cleary, I'm extremely nervous because I think what the problem for the Storms was was that as technology has moved on, what used to be a shrink rack box of floppy disks with those impenetrable instruction books is how he'd upgrade his players in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's had to do it through the cloud. And he hasn't really kind of sorted it out until very, very recently. But I'm saying, Ivan Cleary, I think we are witnessing the rise of the robots. And we're back. Fire up. Chris Gale, no Dennis Carnahan, but uh, it's great to have Redfern Pat with me. Pantsman, how are you enjoying this episode? It's good. I got my copy of Australian Flora and Fauna to fill in for Dennis. I got my rugby league rules. I've got my uh, book of grammar. He's really into some arcane stuff, isn't he? Like the, the, the botany stuff really throws me. Like where, where does that actually fit? I mean, he's a... He's a performer. He's a musician. He has technical audio skill. Where is it's just a plant's passion? Where's it well, getting? Well, you sit down with Dennis Carnahan, and sometimes he tell you old war stories about being on the road, yeah, yeah. touring, rock and roll. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, in another life, really into music. So we talk about the recording thing. We could talk about all that. We just tell you about birds and stuff. Yeah. Then he goes on to a Banksy rave. I'm telling you. Look, let's just go around the grounds with rugby league because we've got the opportunity to do that now, Pat, as we're sort of throwing all the cards in the air and doing four segments. The NRLW returned and you think, wow, weren't they playing this year? And you'd be right, they were. But because of COVID, they've compressed two competitions into one. It's like the Olympics. The great trivia question 100 years time is, what year were the 2020 Olympics held in Tokyo? And the answer is 2021. In what year did the 2021 NRLW take place? Wouldn't that be a baffle? Like, if you ask me now, what year did the 1920 Olympics happen? I'd be like, why is that? A, what's going on there? Why is that a question? I know, and you just have to say 1920 because you wouldn't know any better. Yeah. Because I don't. Think well, no, we know that's not the answer. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> and again, Stephen Ferris, featuring heavily today, told me he was very confused driving home from his should be award-winning show on FBI Radio, sold out where he tuned into his uh, transmitter and was listening to the Knights um, pumping the Broncos. And he goes, legit for 10 minutes, he goes, I just don't recognize any of these people. And of course, it was the NRLW. Yeah, Well, Millie Boyle's there. Millie Boyle's there. Tamika Upton is there, the Queensland fullback. Hasn't and she's she been quality. usurped quickly by Tonegato? Yeah, well, Tonegato, arguably, you know, yeah. the, the Tedesco of her generation. Well, but- Upton was, I remember Upton being specifically the Tedesco and then... Now, if I'm stretching my mind here, is it Jessie Southwell? Is that her yep. name? She's yep. the young halfback who won Hooker. 
the gold medal at Tokyo in the rugby sevens for the women. Is that right? The seventeen-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She absolutely tore the strong seventeen-year-old. So that's really exciting. It's great to have the NRLW back on board. It's more rugby league, Pat. Yeah, it's good. It's, yeah, it's really good, especially the midday ones. That's... Like, you can put any old game on it. Twelve o'clock on a Sunday, and it'd be good. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, a little bit further afield, um, gals taking on Justin Hodges and um, Ben Han at the Polar Bear. Now you're a you're you're into your wrestling, correct? This this smells very very wrestling. Taking on two guys at once. How do you book it? So do you book it so the the sure the easier guy goes first? And so that there's you're more likely to have a second fight, or do you book it so the harder guy is first, so you get one, at least one good fight, and then when you got the weaker gal, you take on the weaker opponent. So I think the it's the, the booking philosophy is that he takes on Ben Hannett first. So I would it, say that's the weaker is seen as the the the, the less likely opponent, yeah. and then takes care of business and then moves in. And Hojo, who the theory is Hojo's a better fighter than Hannett. Uh, but Gal will have spent some juice, lemon yep. analogy again, so we're likely to get a more even contest. Gal's actually encouraged a $10,000 bet, which he'll give fifty grand to Hojo if Hojo wins. Now, it is a real wrestling feel to it yep. because it's certainly possible to be involved in more than one bout in a night in professional wrestling because that's the finely tuned, finely honed athletes they are. Yes. they they got bigger engines than boxers. They can take more punishment. Yep. But the boxers, you know, they're not used to it. Right, yeah. and so there's a lot of concern about two fights in one night. If I can go to Australia's supposedly most experienced boxing referee and judge, Charlie Lucas, who's refereed title fights around the world for over 45 years, he goes, "I don't think the fight should be going ahead." He goes, "It's bad for boxing. Like, <laughs> boxing's got plenty of aspects to be concerned about." Hello, Peter Fitzsimons, but the double booking he's worried about, and he goes, uh, "He goes." Uh, it's not the first time a fight will fight twice in one night. He goes, back in the old days, Sydney had two stadiums to host a boxing on the same night. There was Leichhardt Stadium and Sydney Stadium at Rushcutters Bay. And fighters would have a fight early at Leichhardt and then get crossed down to Rushcutters Bay to get a second purse and make a quick quid. Those, of course, were both iconic wrestling stadiums back in the day as well. So this went on with professional wrestling. My concern is that Gal is just simply repeating the past. And if he's really legitimate, surely it's got to be three in the one night. Well, he's, his whole thing is new ground. He's the first Sharks captain. You know, the captain who, who broke the historic Queensland run. Mm-hmm. Now he's just, he's doing... Yeah, and we got confused previously. We thought, in fact, Hannett and Hodges were going to be, you know, they sort of surgically transplant one of the heads. So he's just fighting a typical Queenslander uh, two heads, right? Or a, or a Texas tornado tag. That's right. Anyway, Charlie says that in the boxing world, thankfully it was eventually stopped. And here's the full stop on this. Paul Kent, who's normally doing the boxing, is in Charlie's corner. He says he's asked his Fox Sports bosses for the night off. He won't be part of this sham and this scandal. But um, I'm all on guard. It wouldn't have anything to do with who is Gal? Who does Gal work for? Uh, Channel 9. Who does Paul Kent work for? <laughs> Fox. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I'm backing Gal to win both. Now, um, in the world of scandal, there's been obviously the public war on real estate. Um, sorry, the war on drugs. No, I'm not quite sure. The Kalen Ponga situation. Yep. There was talk that the players gave drug tests, but I'm assuming that they were conventional 
drug tests where the presence of recreational drugs would be in the urine for a certain period of time and then they're not. And does uh, white powder not – isn't it only got a 48-hour – That's right. Which, right. which the Naden one in the grand final means that he's had – cocaine the night before a grand final i think he confessed that in the bubble i think he confessed that that is just it's out there but of of course the debate turns to follicle testing because the residue is in your hair for months on end and the rlpa is totally opposed to it and clinton union had a lot to say on this and i think his most compelling argument says there's absolutely no way that you could ever do follicle testing on kalen ponga because how are you going to get the hair through the headgear, right? Yeah. Never mind. But the other scandal was, again, overseas uh, in the, well, it was battling to stay in Super League, Toulouse, with their halfback, Corey Norman. What happened there? So, Corey Norman has uh, grabbed the, in between the buttocks of a uh, opposition player, whose name escapes me at the moment. I think it was against Warrington. Yeah. Well, let's just call it the Hopawati principle. The Hopawati principle, yeah. And, and he did seem less... Uh, obvious than Hopawati's Hopawati's one. Well, I guess the technique evolves over time. Yeah, but they, you know, imagine what Hopawati could do with a center of excellence. I'll be honest. I was at Disney World once and we were at the character breakfast at the Crystal Palace and we wanted to take the obligatory photos. And there is a photo of me next to someone in a human-sized Eeyore sh- suit, Eeyore the donkey from Winnie the Pooh, and Eeyore feeding him goose me. And, and and the photo captures my reaction at that particular point in time. So you know the technique; it's it's all around context and what you can get away with. Yeah, yeah. eight weeks. Yes, and he went in with a well designed, well thought out rugby league defence. I believe that the judiciary is headed up by a lawyer, and she wasn't buying any of it. But I believe that Corey's defence was finger up the date, not my go, not my go. Now I've got Corey Norman's record here. Hit us if you'll uh, if you'll indulge me. March twenty twenty, March twenty ten debuts man of the match. March twenty twelve becomes full time Broncos five eight after Lockie retires. February twenty sixteen moves to Parramatta, wins player of the tournament in Auckland Nines. Para wins the whole tournament. So far so terrific good. terrific start. So far so good. May third twenty sixteen, Parramatta stripped of fourteen points. And let Auckland Nines uh, title for third-party salary cap breaches. Documents given to the NRL show Norman was handed $36,000 in cash in a paper bag in a shopping center car park. The money the NRL were told was to cover rent. What's he meant to do? Give it back? (laughs) May 22, 2016. Corey Norman, James Seguiaro, and Junior Paulo, Junior Ballo rather, post a photo with known gang members at Golden Century. I've been terrific restaurant. No longer with us. Big, big smile on yeah, the face. I, mean, I, I don't care who invites me. I'm going, you know, for the XO Pippies. Yep. Later on May 22, 2016, <laughs> Norman and Seguiaro found to be in possession of MDMA and muscle relactants. The pair claim it was their friends that they were holding. <laughs> July 2016. Right. Did that work? That defense? Oh. Just asking for a friend. Well, let's go through the let's go through the record, see if it comes up again. Video is shot to news outlets featuring Norman and Seguiara performing a lewd sex act involving a can of Canadian club. A man can be seen in the corner snorting white powder in the video. July 2016. Fine eight hundred dollars for the court for drug possession and stood down for one match. Later, July 2016. 
fined a further $20,000 by the NRL and stood down for the rest of the season. He's also told not to consort with criminals in the future. Good advice. <laughs> then we go to 2018. Norman is fined $20,000 for drinking while injured after a photo surfaces of him online. Norman posted the photo himself. 2019. <laughs> Hello, um, uh, Kevin Proctor, who apparently is not going to get a Super League contract, which is really disappointing. Well, Corey Norman did it all in vain. That's right. 2019. Video emergence of Norman snorting a white powder with an elderly man. No action is taken when Norman says the video was from 2016. Norman warns players against filming themselves. Again, good advice. Yeah. November 2020. Norman posts video of him with three rival players winning $25,000 on the pokies. Buzz deems it a bad look. January 2021. Video surfaces of Norman fighting four men on the street. Norman insists he was defending Seguiaro after unprovoked slurs. February 2021. On Norman's YKTR podcast, Friends joke that Norman uh, is into fighting after a few beers. They say it's just Normie being Normie. The video is soon deleted. May 2021. Norman posts photos with Hayne whilst Hayne is awaiting trial for sexual assault. July 2021. He's identified as an attendee of an illegal St. George Illawarra barbecue after he fled the scene upon police arrival, leaving his wallet. December 2021. Following his release by St. George, he announces his retirement, saying, quote, I'm over it. April 2022, signs with Toulouse saying he's looking forward to the challenge. Look, that's a very, very comprehensive rundown there of uh, Corey's track record. And basically, I heard no reference to any hand going between anyone's buttocks. Therefore, I believe he's not my go defense. <laughs> Should have got him off the charge. Well, he said he's over it. Yeah, well... Look, Toulouse needs him. Rugby League needs him. Come back, Corey. Now, finally, Pat. Unless it's the it's a Wakefield um, uh, conspiracy, because as they're trying to avoid relegation to to keep Corey Norman out, <laughs> that big Wakefield money. <laughs> finally, uh, we, we look at the intersection between art, science, politics, history. Music. Well, we just did, didn't we? We did, <laughs> and rugby league, and huge news. And I almost wanted to program David Bowie's five years for you at this particular juncture. The news that Cameron Sorrello, Gus has got his man. He's bagged the super assistant coach. Because we always talk about super coaches. Are you an assistant super coach or are you a super assistant coach? That's something to dwell on, I think. Super assistant coach sounds a little bit patronizing. Yeah, okay. So assistant yeah. super coach Cameron Sorrello has signed for the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs for five years. And this saw Matty John's pen an article in the Murdoch press about Cameron. And here's something really interesting. Cameron has something which all successful coaches have loads of and failed coaches have none of. Empathy for their players. One of the primary desires players must have is the want to win for the coach. And that stems from the coach having empathy. Jiminy Crickets, I hope that when they interviewed Benji Marshall, they went down the empathy, empathy route and made sure that he's got some. They just saw, saw his, uh, his speech from uh, Celebrity Apprentice. Drenched in empathy, he right? He said, I don't know who I am. <laughs> the great Corsican conqueror, Napoleon Bonaparte, was loved <laughs> by his soldiers. It was a crucial factor in his success. If you love your leader, you fight harder. 
Caring for the men under your leadership is where I should probably leave the comparisons between Seraldo and Bonaparte. Napoleon was just a fraction over five feet and Seraldo is pushing six foot four. <laughs> a couple of things to be said here. First of all, get with the metric system, Matty. But I remember an early episode of Happy Days, Pat, where Richie was struggling to be the leader of his ROTC division. It was like cadets, like an army cadets. Yep. Right? And he went to mentors for advice. And his father said... Consistent with Matty Johns and his view of Napoleon, he goes, son, you've got to get your men to love you. All the great generals, the leaders, the men love them. MacArthur, Nimitz, Bradley. He then went to the teacher who was the head of the ROTC program at his high school and he says, son, you've got to get your men to hate you. All the great generals were hated by their men. (laughs) MacArthur, Nimitz, Bradley. So... All I'm concerning is I hope Gus Gould has tipped the empathy box with Cameron Seraldo. Maddie Johns thinks that it's all good. And you'd hate to think that at about two years' time, as Seraldo departs Belmore, <laughs> this song is playing. music Jim, I'll tell you that much. Oh, I can't believe what young blokes listen to these days. Free, free Victor and Julian Assange. They're in the same boat now. The week to week football loses a lot of money. Yep. But it's a service to the game and it's a service to the, to the supporters. Charlotte, I'm doing my press conference down, I can't talk to you. See ya. It's on time. She's on TV time. So, if the last fifty minutes anything go by, we don't we don't have jokes. So we're going serious today. Yeah, on, let's not try and be funny. We failed so far, so let's let's be consistent. On ABC last night, I don't know if you caught this. There was the conclusion of the Josh Masood saga. So Josh Masood was. I, I believe he failed in his defamation case. Right? Yes, he failed his defamation case. So he was sacked from Channel Seven for berating a rural young producer who didn't who whatever who cares uh comments way way out of line had a very bad reputation about about doing this stuff but uh, abc played the his his case for the defamation his reputation was harmed by publication of items stating that he had been dismissed following his threatening that he would slit the throat of a young colleague when in fact he was dismissed following his threatening that he would rip off the head and shit down the throat of a young colleague that's fair enough. Yeah, there's a clear <laughs> distinction. And it's, which, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's like he's using the old. Oh, I only told them that I was going to take the head off and shit down their throat. Defense. <laughs> That's how OJ got off. 
I wonder if Corey Norman thought about that defense. Now staying, he's probably done that. Now staying, staying, <laughs> staying on 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 news. We've got news out today. Albanese uh, talking about Scott Scott Minister and his taking of the ministries. Oh, Scott Minister taking of the Morrisons. Scott Morrison taking of the ministries. I thought you were going to talk about Albo scaling a beer at Ganga Hughes at the Enmore. Well, I've scaled a beer at Enmore. I probably scaled a beer at Enmore at with Ganga. And Hughes that's not a news day. story. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. So, but this 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 ministries issue gets deeper. Gus Gus weighed in on it. I always said your fullback is your your, your extra man. He's over the last decade he's become the organizer of defence. He's become the minister for defence. Just keeps getting it. Just keeps getting deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. So while we're on the serious stuff, Tamo fighting for his life at the judiciary tonight. Yes, he is. It'll be Tuesday night. It was we're recording on a Tuesday. Good news is that he's got the Brydens. Machine behind. He's got him, the bites of the Brighton's machine. Yep. Who don't lose, never lose. Now we've been through Lee Hadjipantelis's. That's why legal, they didn't. That's why they didn't legally challenge the Cowboys' decision. Lee, we've been through the the legal acumen of of Lee Hadjipantelis. This is Justin Pascoe talking about, and we know Justin Pascoe and Lee Hadjipantelis, close, my, biggest thieves. Yeah, biggest my, thieves. My new co-host next year. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, this is uh, Justin Pascoe about Tamo's defence. You know, I'm not to say that I'm going in confident because that's not the right thing to do, but I'm certainly going in confident that we'll give Jimmy the best opportunity to play another game at Leichhardt. That's stirring, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's under-promising and hopefully over-delivering. How's that for an opening, opening <laughs> statement? I'm not confident, Your Honour. I, I was once involved in a, a legal a mock trial called the Moot, and you always put the extreme argument first, so that sort of puts a stall on the ground and then you look to somewhere get in the middle yeah and the person acting the role of judge said to my colleague after he made that a- <laughs> argument he goes i totally reject your argument he goes i agree on it it is bullshit and then you just move on yep yep well that's yeah that's the maybe you could re- represent Tama. now we're on the tigers obviously they're a bit of been a bit of a joke and this is this the point where i would stick the boot in but no i'm not is this a, and I hate um, bagging on a, on a club, but it feels as though this is, the, it's the Tigers' biggest ever loss. It's, it's like they've hit a you new low. It's the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you can really bounce off something. So so did you enjoy that? I saw that discussion. Freddie really gave it to us. He really um, said, we're no good, we're hopeless, we're whatever. But he gave us hope. Yeah. Because it was indeed the loss that we had to have, apparently. Yeah, it wasn't 100 points to four. Just take that to the bank. And then finally, long, uh, long, long time listeners of this segment will know. Uh, a while ago, we we tackled Matty Johns repeating his stories. Yes, and the in particular the the Genesis story. So give me the give me the Phil main Collins. beats of it. So basically, he was at a blue light disco. Yeah, the the Check. the boys and the girls would be in separate circles, Check. constantly revolving. He was wearing a midnight oil 10 all the way through to one Check. shirt. And he was younger and he was beaten up by two older Phil Collins fans Check. who interchangeably moved between wearing Phil Collins Gen- t-shirts Genesis. and Genesis yeah. Invisible Touch t-shirts. Check, check, check. So he's got a segment, uh, the album of the, uh, Sound Advice. They do the Album of the Week. They do Purple Rain. They'll do Led Zeppelin, Appetite Destruction, that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine my surprise when this week they do 10 to 1. <laughs> and guess that story gets it right. My memories of this album is this, boys. This is a shameful moment. I had a T-shirt, 10 to 1 T-shirt, 
And I went to a blue light disco in Cessnock and got beaten up by three older blokes who were Genesis fans. (laughs) (laughs) And we're talking about (laughs) three now. He's embellishing. I'm sure it was two. And we talk about the SMH journos having a tough week. I'm telling you, like Peter Fitz and Matty Johns have more in common than they could ever possibly have imagined. Well, this whole uh, this whole saga of the of the ten to one show, it started like this. There's a sentence yeah, I, I didn't know. think. I don't think that's ever been said in the history of the world. I was beaten up by Phil Collins fan. <laughs> These SMH journos, their stocks. It's all intertwined. I mean, is this an opportunity to talk about the? Pre and post, or sorry, the Peter Gabriel era and the Peter Collins era. Sorry, Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins era in terms of the quality of Genesis music, or was that another podcast? Uh, well, well, here's what we'll do is we'll get into 47 Texas. Thank you. I'll go post a show. You stay here. Okay. I walk into the change rooms here. I've got 47 Texas. I never turned my phone on after the game, but I thought I just wanted to make sure I wasn't wrong in what I was thinking tonight. 47 Texas. Every one of those Texas agreed with every fan out there and everything I believe in. And this might be my favorite message of the year. We've got Ruth Livingston. Mm-hmm. Great contributor. Has said she was at the football and she's heard Acor Stadium and she heard Dave Graney. I, I accept that. That's that's the message. That's that's the <laughs> that's my forty seven Texas for this week. That's unbelievable. Imagine that Dave Graney. It's it, well uh I nineteen ninety six male aria of the year. When St. George Illawarra wrapped up their win against the Titans uh, with a try down the right-hand side, may well have been to Jack Bird. I'm not quite sure uh, on reflection who it was, but the the ground DJ at Wynn Stadium played Zombie Nation by Kern Craft 400. And you could hear the Dragons faithful going, da-da-da-da-da, like, So you're, you're, you're in the Dragons. Um, you're, Thrall. Yeah. They do the Seven Nation Army cheer. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? Is are they just singing the like? Is it just singing the do's or is it? Yeah, um, they were just they were just um, humming along to the Zombie Nation tune. No, so no Seven Nation Army. Well, that might be at a different point. It just happened that they wheeled it out at that particular point. And I said, "Ah, oh, this yeah. this is a track I wasn't expecting to hear." But yeah, yeah. Dave Graney at Acor, terrific. Yeah. So this is Dave Graney, nineteen ninety six male performer of the year at the Arias. Always look good sartorially and still does. Yeah, and still are does. we suggesting that uh, he will be part of the offer to keep the rabbits at a core rather than decamp to Allianz? Well, he's a man of culture. I know he's very much a AFL guy. I don't know. I don't know if he uh, if he's got into rugby league too much yet. There's always time. Uh, can I wheel out the Rara Valley accent? Let's try and have more than one axe to grind. First of all, PVL. But my specific one is the announcement over the weekend that NRL 360 is going to four nights a week for the balance of the season. I mean, I think we've got enough to deal with in our lives, but four nights a week of NRL 360, surely we don't need that. Is this the first show of the year without a 360? Have we had a 360 reference yet? Uh, Maybe not. We we talked a little bit about what Buzz said, and and we 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 did talk a bit about how they all just endlessly now talk about the fortunes of the teams oh, yeah. left in yep. the competition. But uh, 
you know, it's good that we're going further afield and finding some some sources. So that's my Arara Valley axe to grind. And I do believe the Axemen are into the grand final. They are. And that will be this weekend, I'm assuming. Uh, is Axemen seeing there? Actually, I think it's the same rhythm as Zombie Nation, isn't it? <laughs> So good luck to the Axemen. Pat, we're in the home stretch. I've got one more segment to do. Have you got anything else that you particularly wanted to add? No, I think I've more than outstayed my welcome. It's been a pleasure to do this episode with you. Good luck to everybody whose teams are still in the hunt. That's all nine of you. Uh, Best wishes to the seven teams who are feeling the ill winds of the combination of no motivation to win plus Volandis ball. Hopefully you do better on this weekend, but... I do have a bespoke reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels, who are one of those nine teams still in the hunt, Pat. Hit me. So this is a reason to dislike the Parramatta Eels if you're a Manly or Canterbury fan. Trent Barrett has been announced <sighs> as a assistant super coach for the Parramatta Eels for 2023. Is that a reason to like the... <laughs> Thank you very much for your attention. Please, as always, follow us on the socials. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. But particularly if you enjoy the Bradley Charles Stubbs episode, our interview, the exclusive interview with the Coach Whisperer, we'd love you to copy that to other people. Say it's there for your edification. Um, keep an open mind. We certainly never do here, but we do love our rugby league and we're looking forward to seeing you next week on Fire Up. Thank you very much. Um, I'd just like to apologise to all the sponsors, all the fans out here family, my girlfriend especially. Um, uh, it's just been a tough week for all the wrong reasons and um, I just look forward to getting back out on the paddock in a couple of weeks and uh, repaying my fate to you guys.